Morning, everybody. Good to be back. Thank you for praying for our family. We um, Walker had came home from camp with COVID, so we quarantined the X amount of days and took tests. We were all negative. Thank you, Lord, for our bodies that work the way God created them to work. Amen. And um, tested negative, so we were able to go on our family vacation as planned. That's important, right? <laughs> to have your time with your family. So we're grateful to be back and um, excited to continue in this series. Has this series helped anybody? Raise your hand, nod your head, say yes and amen. Amen. We're going to do a little recap. Please, it is so encouraging for you that are out of town. You'll come up and say, I listened to that one that I missed. And it's really important that you get the whole picture. So if you have to miss a Sunday, go online, look under um, ChristFellowshipCC.org, go to sermons, and take a listen so that you're not behind on anything. I'm going to catch you up on the last week. The very first week, we talked about who is the Holy Spirit, right? The second week, we talked about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And now we've kind of rested on this third portion called how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And you know what's so rich? Instead of rushing through this, we're kind of taking our time because there's a lot of ways. And don't you know, if you have access to great power of the Holy Spirit in your life, don't you want to know all the ways? It's like getting into your car and not knowing what all the buttons do and not knowing the power that is there and the things that can make your life easier because you just don't know how to do it. You don't know that that power is available to you. It's the same principle. So we are unwrapping this um, this week and the next week we will end this portion of it, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Um, I want to go over the first six points we talked about, and then we'll pick up for today. If you'll throw that first slide up there. We talked about, and please go back and listen, there's scripture references for all of this, uh, the the, um, part three, um, the third week. This is all in there, but I just want to hit these to remind us. Convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts the world of sin. Dwells in the believer. We talked about that at length, how when you receive Christ, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you, correct? Number three, he testifies that we are believers. Number four, sets the believers apart for service. He's the one that does that. Aren't you thankful for that? All the gifts inside of us. And he, then he sets us apart for service. And we will talk about the gifts of the Spirit coming up. So, And that's exciting. But he sets the believer apart for service. Number five, he pours out God's love in our hearts. We talked about how we are incapable of loving each other and loving the world as we need to, but it's God himself through his spirit that pours out his love in our hearts so that we can love the way that he loves. And then one of my favorites, the last one, is the Holy Spirit produces joy. That's where joy comes from, is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, okay? So today we're going to pick up with a couple more points. And again, this is how the Holy Spirit works in the life of a believer. Point seven is that he guides believers into all truth, all truth, all truth. The Holy Spirit guides believers. There's a scripture that talks about him doing that, and the scripture that that talks about is John 16, verse 13, and it's interesting to me to set the, the stage for this. Is he's making them this promise knowing that they're getting ready to betray him. If I, that's, just so you know, that's the difference in me and God right there. If, if I knew you were going to betray me, I wouldn't be making you any promises unless I promise you I'm going to get you back. <laughs> just know this. You betray me, I'll get you back. But that's not what he said. You're going to betray me. He knew that they were going to betray, and he still had precious promises. That shows you the difference in his mercy and human mercy. There's nothing, nothing like it. When the, here's the scripture, John 16 and 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. It, it's, it's literally what he had said in those verses right there. 
is that I'm going to give this to Jesus, and Jesus is going to give it to you. What I have given to him, these were the Father's possessions, giving them to Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to share those things with you. Um, He guides us, those who trust in Jesus, into all truth. This is important to realize, as Jesus claimed to be the truth, the Spirit of God, which represents him, represents Jesus, will lead us into all truth. Um, he actually told them in um, John 14 and 26, he told them right that the Holy Spirit, he says, when the helper, in the ESV it said he called him the helper. When the Holy Spirit, the helper, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is a helper who teaches and reminds Think about that. He teaches and reminds. You know what happens in school? You know how you learn in school? They teach you and you get tested. He'll teach you and then remind you. Has he ever done that for you? He teaches me something and then he reminds me of his goodness. Even though I might have messed the thing up. And if there was any messing the thing up, it was all on me, not him. Amen? So... It, the, the word the helper right there in, in the Greek, uh, in the ESV, it's calling him helper. In the NIV, it calls him advocate. In the King James Version, it calls him comforter. It's, the Greek word is parakletos. Uh, the meaning of this word is related to legal counsel. Um, it's like having the best lawyer. I, let me pull this up. So parakletos. It means to be called to one side. So when he says this scripture right there, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It's just like your lawyer coming beside you and telling you what to say. And it's not just like having a court-appointed lawyer, except for it's God's court-appointed lawyer. And there can be no better than him. And you know how they tell you, uh, upon the advice of my lawyer, I can't make a comment. Mm -hmm. He'll literally give you what to say. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Because I used to go into situations wondering what I'll say. Worried about what I'll say. But as I've learned to truly trust him, I don't worry about what to say as much anymore. I found myself in situations, and just as I needed him to, he gave me exactly what to say. And, and stuff that I, I look back at it later, I'm like, where did that come from? Because I could, I'm not smart enough. You ever had something come out of you and you realize, I wasn't smart enough. And we try to hold on to that one, right? Well, I do. So he's called to your side, um, to one's aid. Um, it suggests his capability and adaptability for giving aid. In other words, whatever the situation, he's got the answer. It was used in a court of justice to denote a legal assistant, counsel for the defense, an advocate, and then one who pleads another's cause, an intercessor, an advocate, as the Lord Jesus. So in its widest sense, it says that he's a succorer or a comforter. Christ was this to his disciples. So everything that he was, he's saying, all that that I was, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be another one just like everything. Don't worry about it. Everything that I was, he's going to give it to you. And even in this situation, he, this, this is the goodness of God. He, reckoned, he recognized their weakened condition. They, they were really weakened, and there, were in, there was information that he would have given them, and he did not give it to them there because they couldn't have handled it. He said this. He said, I'm going away, and I still have so much to say to you. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Because what was literally going on right there is that they were getting ready to be scattered. There was going to be a rejection. The Jews weren't going to take this. The, the Jews, they were going to be offered this first, and they weren't going to take it. So it was going to be offered to the Gentiles. 
Somebody right there who's not Jewish should say hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, and everything that goes with that. Because that rejection opened the door for me to receive. And if you understand what it said in Romans, that same thing that got set up right there, see, see I, I was not of the, the original branch. I was grafted in. So how much more will that grafting in come back to those that it was originally tended for? So we should always pray for Israel. We should always pray for the Jews. That's scriptural to do that. And, and I'm, I'm throwing extra things on you right now. But what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to be just like I am and have everything that I've been able to, to talk to you about. But he's going to take from what my Father has given me and give it to you. And even though you can't handle it, you, you guys are getting ready to go. I told you, he told them this, knowing that they were going to betray him. See, he knew it was going to get so bad. I've spent these years with you. I've poured into you. And they're going to betray him. But he said, I know what's about to happen. And I've got an advantage for you. And it's going to help you. Even the night when Peter betrayed him and messed up so bad. He said, Peter, when you have turned, go and strengthen your brothers. They need it. Let me just tell you something. We put way too much emphasis on our present state with the Lord and how we perceive we're doing with God. Why? Because we judge our relationships this way. I told you all that a couple weeks ago. We love, unfortunately, we've learned to love according to performance. I love you because up to this point, almost 30 years of marriage, you've done pretty good. But what if that performance changes tomorrow? What if my performance changes tomorrow? Right? Can we just be real? And he's loving them even through. He's actually prophesying their failure right there and loving them through what they're about to do to him because he knows on the back side of that, they're going to come through something to be stronger. Those things we come through, they're supposed to build us. They're supposed to make us stronger. Let me move on a little bit. So it's like the Holy Spirit. It's like having I, I got to say something. Say I got to say something. You know what word comes to mind when you talk that way is covenant. That's the big difference in us is we, we're based on a society and on uh, of agreement. <laughs> Of agreement, but God's not about agreements. He's about covenant with us, and that's what He has with us. That's what He had with His disciples, and that's what He promises. He's coming back for you. That's His promise. That's His covenant. And so it's so much different than the world that when the terms change, then we can change and we can dissolve that agreement. But a covenant is to the end. And it requires perseverance and unconditional love and unwavering commitment. So, point seven, Holy Spirit guides believers into all truth. I think we have, we have missed our slides. Our system can be so finicky back there, and I think it's given Eric a fit this morning. So, we're going to probably say more about points and scriptures because you're not able to see them, okay? so Eric, turn your hat around backwards. Let it know you mean business. Go for it. There you go. So number seven guides believers into all truth. And for you note takers, the scriptures were John 16 and 13 and John 14 and 26. And then 1 Corinthians, you're not there yet. Yeah, this is what I'm coming up on right now. 2, 9, and 10. So the Holy Spirit is a helper who teaches and reminds. The Holy Spirit reveals deep truths. And that's what I'm going to talk about right now. He reveals the deep things of God to believers in Christ. Paul wrote about it this to the Corinthians. It is an advantage that he has for you as a believer. That is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But we, look at your neighbor and say we. we. We know these things because God has revealed them to us by his spirit, and his spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. Now, you're going to have to buckle up for a little bit of this. The deep things of God are spiritual truths. They are not only known because the Holy Spirit reveals them. These truths are unknown to those who do not know Jesus Christ. 
So there's an advantage that we have, and it's not to be gloated in, but it is to be taken advantage of. It is for your advantage. No one can know what any was. This is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11 through 15. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone, right? And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So I'm thinking what I'm thinking. God's thinking what he's thinking. And God has actually given us his spirit. Now, wait a second. Not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand at all. How could they? How could they? Um, Another scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 16. Paul wrote this to Timothy. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we have a renewed mind. And it's always being renewed. Where the mind goes, your life follows. You understand that? Now, you need to be careful where you let your mind go. Where you arrive in life, your mind went there first. Okay? Breaking news. Your mind got there before you did. Okay? When your mind gets stuck. Has anybody's mind ever got stuck? Anybody? There is a way. That you can create movement again when your mind gets stuck. By thinking on the things of God and allowing Him to paint pictures on the canvas of your faith in Him. What, what does that look like? Jude 1.20 But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Do you know that right there? It is exactly what it says. It's your most holy faith. And we're going to get to it. And I know that some of this stuff is, is when we start talking about speaking in tongues and things like that, it's a bit scary. Believe me, I grew up in it. I just about wish that I had never been exposed to some things. You ever got taught wrong something? And that's why we're going back and looking at this. That's why we're taking so much time because it's worth it. I've sat in meetings early on in ministry where someone wanted to call me on the carpet because lies that they had told. And then they proceeded to get angry and they gave me a Holy Ghost, their Holy Ghost tongue lashing in front of the pastor. And it was, I'd never, and I told you, the Lord will give you what to say. He gave me what to say and it wasn't the nicest thing I've ever said. But you just use tongues against me, and that's not what the tongues is not for. The, the word says tongues is for the edifying. You, you just beat me with a Holy Ghost belt. I almost look unrecognizable until I just realize what you're doing, that's not of God. You, you just what, almost cross-eyed, blasting me in tongues, and then to make your point. So I just sat back and let them talk and let them do their thing. And at the end, I said, okay, now let's talk about the lie that you told You see what I'm saying? You know what the response was then? You're going to be gone from here in a few months, but I'm going to be here when you're gone. And they were right. I was going to be gone. I was in a denomination. It was almost on a circuit. Like, you're here for a while, you're here for a while. They had learned the system, and they had become very strong in the church, and people looked at them, not just looked at them, they were afraid of them because they would use that to their advantage in a wrong way. But the Lord gave me what to say. Okay, when you get through, let's talk about the lie you told, because it was a lie. So, uh, so I'm just saying that those, those that have been church hurt by things, those things unfortunately happen, but they should not. And they won't happen if we know how to handle those situations according to what His Word does say. Amen? That, that, that's, what you, that's what we're going to talk about in a second. The wisdom that comes from God is skilled knowledge so that you can know what He said. And because you know what He said, you know what you're free to say. 
If he said it, you're free to say it. Amen? Amen? Yes. Okay. So, moving right into that right now. Number eight, God gives, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit gives wisdom and revelation to the believer. Wisdom, skilled knowledge, knowing how to properly use the knowledge that we have. The proper application of knowledge. In, in Ephesians, the first chapter, the third verse, it says that His divine power, His divine power. Any, any weakness in that at all? His divine power? No. Answer is no. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness according to the knowledge that He has given us according to His own grace and mercy. That, that, that is a huge scripture, but it's basically saying we've been given everything that we need. So can I just drop a question in there? And I've done this before. If, he's, if, if His divine power has given us everything that we need, does anybody still have need in your life? Let me just raise my hand. But the scripture said He's given us everything that we need, didn't it not? Well, where's the problem? The problem is not in Him and in His divine power. The problem is us. Because it says He's given us everything we need through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own goodness and mercy. So the, the, the deficit will always be us not having the knowledge. It's like having the manual but not paying attention to it. It's like having a map but won't look at it. Right? He's given us everything that we need. So, so this, this wisdom that He's given us... Um, can I say this too? That he's given it to you. It's so different when you experience it for yourself. It's not someone else's interpretation. It's you looking at these words in this Bible and the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Not being filtered through someone else's opinion or, um, you know, cherry picking this and that. His word is so precious. It's the map for you. It's how many of you have ever been reading the word and it's so something jumps out that you've read a thousand times before, but it's relevant in that moment. That's because the Holy Spirit is at work and he is making revelation come alive to you. And the same words that you've read before, it's the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and revelation to the believer. We have not received, this is scripture, 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. It, it amazes me that he's given us a gift that has to do with knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And we don't get there, and it's such a powerful thing that he's given us, and we forfeit it because the enemy throws little darts in there when he clearly wants us to know. God does not want us to guess. We, I hear this all the time in church settings. Well, I just feel like. People come up to you and say, oh, Christine, I just feel like. God doesn't want us to just feel like. God wants us to know. Because knowing is way better than just feeling like. Here's another, here's another example when he said this. Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. How about that? that, that what he's translating is, I want you to know. I don't want you to go around guessing. If you're guessing, you're human, you're probably going to guess wrong. In my case, I usually do guess wrong when I guess. Don't, don't come to me for no lottery numbers. And ignorant just means... Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Ignorant just means in the dark. It just means you don't, you don't have know. the knowledge. Yeah. You don't know. So ignorant is not a slam. Ignorant is just you've never seen, you've never been taught, you didn't know. Okay? Okay, so we've got the wisdom of the world and godly wisdom. Now, this is what you've got to understand about God. God hides things. He wants us to be seekers of him. You know what will happen if he doesn't hide things? We'll become, he'll become a genie in a bottle to us. That'll be it. God, I really, I really praised you Sunday. Now you owe me this one. You got to hit me up. I need this one. God, you saw that tear. Now for a man to cry. Come on now, God. He doesn't owe you that. Here's the thing. You, you might have to dig a little bit. Revelation is not hidden from you. Revelation is hidden for you. And at the right time, if you'll dig, there it will be. Amen? Yeah. 
These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things. Say all things. Even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Okay. All things. As Christians, we get really messed up on that right there. You take it back to when the disciples were saying, Hey, come see this man. You, you got to come see that. We found the Messiah. Uh, Where did he come from? Uh, he came from Bethlehem. Can any good thing come from there? Can any good thing? We miss so much thinking it needs to be this polished, beautiful thing. When treasures are, heard in, are found in fields, they might have some dirt on them. It, it might be something that you've got to dig out. Before you find out how beautiful it is. What did the guy do that found the treasure in the field? He went and sold all that he had to go back and buy the whole field. In this life, the scripture says, you'll have tribulation. So, in in, in keeping with this context right here, that all things work together. But those that love the Lord are called according to his purpose. In this life, you're going to have tribulation. Another word for tribulation is persecution, affliction, distress, pressures. All those things. The Greek word for that is thalipses, and it's like an arrow. And all these heavy things can happen on this side of the arrow, but they're funneling you down into a point where you find Jesus. And it might take you a minute to get there. And that's why he said, in this life, you're going to have these things, but take heart, I've overcome all of that. And just keep walking. Sometimes it's just putting one foot in front of the other. Amen, somebody? So do you know that that's how we get diamonds? That that, another word for thalipses is compressed pressures. Those things, the beautiful things in life can come through a great deal of stress. And that's what made them beautiful. Okay? If we only look for God in the shiny stuff... I'm just stop and ask a question. How is he God if he only works in the shiny stuff? Is all your stuff shiny stuff? Anybody got any rough stuff? Anybody, if they ever shook your closet, they'd hear bones rattling in it? He's only God if he can work through all things. And that's why the scripture says all things. So let's stop forfeiting or canceling ourselves out because we've had some Moments in our life. Amen? Amen. To his disciples, Jesus said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Another legal term. You're going to find legal terms all wrapped around all of this kingdom talk. That's Acts 1 and 8. Witness means what you saw, what your account was. Can I tell you the most powerful thing that you can give in your testimony of him is what he did in your life, not what he did in my life. That's that's what will sound uh, something of importance for someone else. Apostle Paul, to the believers in Ephesus, he wrote this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 20. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. See, he's wanting you to get it there again. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to get it. So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Almost done. Acts 16, verse 6 and 7. The Holy Spirit stops something. Now, this is a very important thing. That This is keeping in line with Him working all things. The Holy Spirit actually stops something. In Acts 16, verse 6 and 7, the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit stopped the preaching of the gospel in Asia. Can you believe that? Listen. 
They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That's Acts 16, verse 6 and 7. Why is that worth noting? Because we, we get conditioned to only pray for God's yes. Instead of understanding that His no carries every bit as much validity and power as His yes. Every bit. So you need to be praying, God, is it a no instead of is it a yes? And, and here's the proof. Now, so that that doesn't conf- confuse you, Acts 19. Let me just go to it right here. I, I want to read, and I'm going to just Christine's turn. Um, Acts 19. This is what was happening. So you know that he wasn't just saying, ah, those Asians, they're, they're not going to get it anyway. Sometimes God's got to allow some work to be done, and it might take a minute. So that it can be full at the end. How many of you listened the very first time he called you? Not this guy. I know my mother-in-law just raised her hand. She's so perfect. <laughs> yes, Lord, your servant, speak. Speak. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad for that, but we didn't all come that easily. (laughs) Acts 19, just listen to this. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, preaching the gospel and finding some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This is all tied into the Holy Spirit. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were saved right there. Now now get this. Verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They went boom, boom, boom. Now the men were about 12 in all. Now just, just remember what I said about the Holy Spirit calling the brakes on Asia. And when, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months and reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Everybody doesn't get it just like that. But when some were hardened and did not believe, and that's what you've got to accept too. Some are not going to believe. But spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So what he's saying is, some are getting it, some are not. The work's not going to stop. We're just going to go right over here. Now the scripture that ties it on. And this continued for two years. So that. Somebody say, so that. I love process. I love process. So that all who dwelt, where? In Asia, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. You see that? That had to happen so that they could all hear it. Instead of some just getting a word and rejecting it, what they did was say, okay, you reject it. Okay, keep moving. You reject it. Okay. Keep moving. Right over here. Holy Spirit said, no. He said, we're going to go to Bithynia. No, you're not. You're going to go over here. If they won't receive it, go over here. And in a span of three months preaching in one place and then continuing to preach for two years, somehow disciples were made and all of Asia got touched by it. Amen? Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for His Holy Spirit. Thank you that His Holy Spirit puts the brakes on things when we need that, right? And here's the other thing. Sometimes discernment comes or knowledge comes to us as believers, as leaders, but it doesn't always mean we're supposed to move in it. Sometimes we have to say, Holy Spirit, open my mouth when it's time. I've said this before, but even in my own life, the Lord gave me this. Discernment is not always a call to action, but it's always a call to intercession. 
So when we discern something, when we have the knowledge of something, and we, we may even know that it's going to require action, we still need to ask the Holy Spirit to release us in the right timing because it's not just about the knowledge. It's about the wisdom and the revelation. Okay. Good word. Wow. Well, that's so, too, that, that's so he flows. He flows. Yes. He doesn't just bombard because if he just gave you a revelation, you went and threw that on somebody. He himself, here's your example. Jesus said, I got so much to say to you, but you can't handle, but you can't handle it yet. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? Aren't you thankful? For, I mean, Lord, we love you. Is this good to you? How, how, this is his, how, this is a picture of the goodness of God and the plan that he has. And he loves people even if he put brakes on it and said, not yet, because I want to get all of you. Amen? So just to recap for you how the Holy Spirit works, he guides believers into all truth. He gives wisdom and revelation. Another way that we see that the Holy Spirit works in the life of a believer is he guides in prayer. So important. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he encouraged them to pray in the Holy Spirit. And we read the following. Um, If you want to turn there, it's Ephesians 6 and 18. But I want to go a little bit before that because we all know this portion. Okay, I'm going to start in verse 10. Um, Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes as your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Okay, what have we just done there? He's just given us what? The whole armor of God, right? Praying, let me go back. I hate to start in the middle of a sentence. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. And he ends out his his uh, request there. But the, the part that I want us to focus on is, is, is verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and every prayer and supplication is what the New Revised Standard Version says. Um, what is praying in the Spirit? Okay, this is the best definition I can piece together for you. Okay, praying in the Spirit is praying with faith, Fervency and perseverance, we read about that here, in harmony with God's word and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Why under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Because what did we already discuss about the Holy Spirit? He knows the mind of God. So if he knows the perfect will of God and his spirit lives inside of me, do you think I should pray according to the spirit? Yes, praying in the spirit. Praying in the Spirit in this context, praying with faith, fervency, and perseverance and harmony with God's Word. God is never going to pray something through you that disagrees with His Word. Okay? He's never going to give you a new revelation that nobody's ever heard of before that doesn't agree with His Word. He's never going to give a new word that doesn't agree with His Word. His Word. Okay? So, it has to be in harmony with his word and under the influence of his precious spirit. He moves in our hearts and he directs our prayers because we will pray our own agenda and our own hearts and our own minds, right? How many of you have ever had gone in and you've been praying about something, but as you begin to pray and humble yourself and be quiet and get in the word and start to pray according to the word of God. How many times has God changed your heart? 
You start praying a different way. Maybe not God get them, but God help me forgive them. Help me find peace in this situation. Reveal them, expose them. No, give me a way to make a bridge maybe. You know, how many times has God ever changed your heart when you're praying in the spirit? Don't pray something on somebody else that you wouldn't want prayed against you. Praying in the Spirit in this context is different than praying in tongues, okay? Tongues is a gift of the Spirit that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, And not every Christian has that gift to speak in tongues. Every Christian can have that, but not every Christian does. We clearly read that in the Word. Yet, Paul instructs Christians, all Christians, to pray in the Spirit. So we see a distinction here that we can know that praying in the Spirit is distinct from praying in tongues. And we will talk about that later more when we talk about the gift of tongues, which is coming up in a few weeks when we talk about the gifts. So praying in the Spirit is praying according to God's will, according to His Word, and through His Holy Spirit. Um, Jude also encourages us to pray in the Holy Spirit, as John just read. And that was uh, in Jude 20, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. If you read that, Jesus' brother is the one that said this. Judas was his brother. He's the one that said this, and it was a call to the church for perseverance. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Why, again? Because the Holy Spirit in us agrees with the will of the Father. Does this make sense? Okay. Um, There's another scripture in Romans 8.26 that's so beautiful, and so many times this has been such a real thing in my life, but it says in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Groanings too deep for words. What a blessing to have a way to pray in the Spirit when words fail us when words are not enough, when the human English vocabulary does not contain the words that you need to communicate to the Father, the Spirit intercedes for us. Amen. So the Holy Spirit guides us in prayer. The last thing we wanted to share with you this morning is the Holy Spirit, um, I lost my voice, comforts the believer. What a beautiful thing. He comforts the believer. In the book of Acts, we read about how the Holy Spirit Spirit comforted believers. And it says in uh, Acts 9 and 31, the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord, which is the reverence of his holiness, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. So, There was peace. They were walking in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And there was comfort in the Holy Spirit to persevere, to keep going, to not give up, despite how hard it was, despite the tribulation. And it it multiplied. There's something to be said for that. So comfort to the believer through the Holy Spirit comes in three main ways. One is through his word. Psalm 119, 49 and 50 says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Through his word. Comfort comes through his word. Many times his word has brought that healing balm that only the Holy Spirit can apply. Amen? That only in that moment becomes alive in a way inside of you that brings healing that no book, no counselor, nobody could. That comfort of the Holy Spirit through his word. Number two, the Holy Spirit comforts the believer through prayer. We've already read this scripture, but it's worth repeating again. Romans 26 and 27 The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us. So, through prayer, 
And the third way is through others. And Paul said this to the Corinthians church, and this has been a hallmark scripture in my life from the time that I was in college. It's 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, and it says, Paul said to the Corinthian church, Blessed be God the and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our, our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So if we break that scripture down, he's saying our God, our Father, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort, Comfort originates from God. Comforts us in our afflictions. It doesn't even say, and that. It says, so that. The purpose for you being comforted in your affliction is to comfort, not for your comfort, not so that you feel better about it or feel better about God. God comforts us in our affliction so that we may comfort those who are in affliction, with the same comfort that God gave us. What a beautiful thing for the body of Christ to see, that you, you will have spoils when you go through a tribulation. Because if you learn to put this scripture into practice, the comfort and the revelation and the things that the Holy Spirit shows you and teaches you, you will then be able to freely give someone else. And that whose comfort will it be? Christine's? Ryan's, Jennifer's, no, it'll be God's comfort because that's where the comfort came from. Can you see the work of the Holy Spirit, how important that is? Have you ever gone through something in your life and another believer has encouraged you because you say, wow, they went through that? They faced that and they're serving the Lord the way they are? Or they made that horrible mistake that I've never shared with anybody, I've done that, but look at them. They're serving God. God is using them. That's what God wants in the body of Christ. That God of comfort comes to us and manifests this Holy Spirit comfort in our lives for the very purpose of us then turning around and offering that to others. Yeah, the so that. They're, they're, I gave you a scripture a few minutes ago. They did not go on the advice of the Holy Spirit, listening to him. Do not go into Asia. And then it said in Acts 19, so that all of them would hear the complete word, Jews and Gentiles. That meant everybody. Jew, if it said so that all heard, both Jews and Gentiles, that meant all. So that you've, you've got to allow for so that in your life. You've got to allow for things that, that are uncomfortable to go through the profit, process so that God can take that and use that later on. Amen? Like she said, there's different ways that he comforts us, through his word, through prayer, through others. Those are the toughest ones because we have to walk those things out. These are things that he's done. But this last one is taking the things that we walk through which aren't always the way that we wish that they would have gone. Just to be right, honest with everybody, that there are... There's a process, though, that he's got it. And he sees it all. Just know that he sees it all. And I would say this. Don't resist him. Yeah. Don't resist his comfort. Don't walk away. That thalipsis that he was talking about, that pressure that comes and points to him. and points. So many people bail before they get a chance to experience what that pinpoint is all about, that moment that it comes together. Don't forfeit your comfort. Don't forfeit the pressure. Don't forfeit the trials because don't forfeit the dirt because that is where the treasure is covered. So be willing to, to go through the dirt, the fertilizer, the things where the treasures might be hidden. Don't be afraid of those things that bring us, the Holy Spirit that keeps, is pushing us to be more like him. That scripture that talks about for, for the good, it, that doesn't mean for your good and my good and for my good life and your good life. It means for the accomplishment of Christ's image being recognized in us. Everything you go is not about your comfort. Everything you go through in your life is not about getting to be benefit to you. What it is is glory to him.
no matter what that looks like, when we allow the process for the good, for the good, for what good? For the refining of us to be the image of Christ. Yeah. Amen. Next week, we are going to talk about the, the uh, fruits of the Spirit, what that looks like, and the power of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. So. Looking forward to that. Will you bow your heads and let's pray this together. Father, thank you for your word. It is so good, and it is for us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will speak the very things that you hear from God to us. Lord, let there be hunger inside of us to know the truth of your word, and you will give it to us graciously. You will increase our knowledge to the point that we know things so that we're not just feeling things, so that we're not guessing things. When you have something for us to know, thank you for that. It's there for us. It's available for us. God, thank you for the things that are hidden because they're not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. God, as we seek you, we're going to find those things. We're going to sell out to you and trust you with it all. I thank you because you will fill us with your wisdom, with your understanding. You'll show us things. You'll help us to understand the process and ultimately to realize and be reminded of the enemy and his lies and your truth. We give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, I pray that you keep us this week. Keep us safe. Keep disease far from us, Lord. Deliver those who are going through physical struggles right now. And all struggles, emotional, mental, financial Whatever they are, God, those that are struggling with decisions, very important decisions, be with them in the name of Jesus. We trust you, God, for your faithfulness. You're always faithful. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go this morning.